on the couch. It's a great place to be. It's comfortable. It's effortless. It's educational. It's entertaining. Sometimes it's just where we want to be. But is it really what we need to be doing? All that time on the couch we could spend doing other things. Hunting and gathering, lifting weights, swinging a racket, or balancing on a ball. That would be better, wouldn't it? Sitting on our backsides. So, get out the axe. Our beloved couch is next on the chopping list. Episode 11, Couch Potatoes. Actually, there's no such thing as couch potatoes. This rather pejorative term was invented to describe the almost vegetative state of some people while glued to their favourite television shows. And let's face it, we've all been there. Good TV captures our entire attention, like a good dream. The show is on, so don't wake me up until it's all over. Before the modern era of plasmas and LCDs, all TVs were simply made from a giant glass tube inside a box. So in the 60s, TVs were variously called the box, or the tube, or sometimes the boob tube. Of course, the risque content came much later, and the term boob tube was referring to the stupidity of the programs, and of course, their audience, the real boobs. For exactly the same reasons, our TVs were also called the idiot box. Of course, today things like YouTube pays homage to the original TV tube. And while the tube is now long gone, sadly, the boobs still remain. Anyway, for a time in the 60s, those who ecstatically loved and became codependent with their boob tube were called tubers, obviously. And this was a very clever description, but it was far too esoteric and never really stuck in a kind of meaningful way. But in a quirk of irony, of course, potatoes are also tubers, which sit quietly in the ground for long periods of time in the dark, slowly growing fatter. Potatoes, of course, are also vegetables, drawing up the unfortunate connotation of people in a persistent coma. So in the 70s, the sofa-bound tuber evolved to become the couch potato that we know and ape today. However, today the computer screen has largely replaced the television as well as the paperwork. Moreover, its tremendous adaptability, providing communication, entertainment, education, productivity, information, titillation, and almost everything else in between, now means that we spend far more time in front of a screen today than even the most dedicated 60s tuba. And yet the time we spend in front of our screens also makes a real difference to our health and its future prospects. Generally, the longer our screen time, the more likely it is we develop all sorts of health problems and have shorter lives as a result. This doesn't mean that screen time causes these illnesses. Unwell people often retreat to their couches 
as a rewarding antidote to the isolation and boredom they feel. The TV doesn't judge or complain or or even care for that matter. And there's nothing easier or more comforting to while away a sick day off work than sitting on the couch in front of a good TV show. But at the same time, there is compelling evidence that simply sitting for long, unbroken periods may be directly damaging to our health. The problem with sitting down all day, every day, was first demonstrated over 50 years ago on the buses of London, England. The conductors in these buses moved up and down the bus, standing for most of the time and climbing for over 500 steps per working day, selling the tickets on the double-deckers. On the other hand, the bus drivers spent over 90% of their time seated at the wheel. They worked in the same environment, on the same buses, but the seated drivers had 50% more heart disease and were more likely to die from it early than those high-stepping bus conductors. They weren't watching TV or using a computer like we do nowadays. They were just sitting down for many hours every day. And then they were dying. The obvious idea was that the drivers grew fatter and the calorie-burning conductors grew thin. And comparing their uniforms, it was found that the bus driver's clothes were generally rounder at the waist than their conductor colleagues. But even after adjusting for their difference in physique, as well as many other risk factors for dying young, the conductors still won out over the bus drivers in the longevity race. The exact same phenomenon was also observed in postmen. The ones who walked or cycled to deliver the mail had fewer heart attacks when compared to the postal clerks who worked all their day on their backside, seated behind a counter. Although this concept was first identified in sedentary men, postal workers and bus drivers and the like, the bad effects of prolonged sitting seem to be most apparent in women. The normal protections and longevity that comes from being a woman and not a man are diminished by time spent sitting down. For example, Women who are mostly inactive and sitting for more than six hours a day have about twice the risk of dying in any given period compared to a woman who was active and sitting for less than three hours a day, even after adjusting for the kind of work they'd do and the different pay they'd receive for it. One obvious reason that being a couch potato may be a bad thing for our health is that couch potatoes are missing out on the benefits of being active and the things that they'd otherwise be doing during their leisure time if the computer or the TV was turned off. Of course, as kids, we'd go outside, run around, climb trees and the like, and now the same active time is displaced by passive, motionless screen time. In times past, of course, we as hunters and gatherers would probably walk or run somewhere nearly 10 miles every day on average, and this was the equivalent of taking the good part of 20,000 steps every single day. For our well-adapted ancestors, being active was a matter of life and death. There were no supermarkets, and to survive our harsh and impoverished environment, we had to move. By comparison, a modern adult will take on average about 7,000 steps each day, or just over 3 miles 
typical modern office worker may only take 2,000 steps a day, and this is the equivalent of moving no more than one mile a day, ten times less than our bodies were made to do. But unlike our ancestors, it's not that much of an imposition. We don't have to move to survive. We won't be left behind. We can dial out or click an app. We can easily get by in our opulent world without going the extra nine miles. But there's getting by and then there's being healthy. The same adaptations that keep us alive in one environment can become a killer in a completely different one. For example, imagine a spotted moth that likes to sit camouflaged on a spotted tree. The birds can't see him there, so he survives pretty well. His spots have ensured his survival for millennia. However, during the Industrial Revolution, pollution from coal fires darkens the bark of his tree, and so his mottled spots make him stand out in the gloom like a fast food sign. So the same spots that once saved his life now become his ruinous inheritance. In much the same way, it's now widely regarded that our own evolutionary biology is far better adapted to our ancient environment where we had spent millions of years to just get it right, rather than the few hundred years of post-industrial prosperity, supermarkets and desk jobs that now make us show our spots. But even though we are missing out on being active while sitting down, this does not completely explain why sitting is bad. The directly bad effects of sitting and not moving for prolonged periods are just as significant in those people who get plenty of physical activity at other times, like weekend warriors. These are sometimes called active couch potatoes. They may exercise frequently, go to the gym or for a jog, they play sport, cycle and get out on the weekends, but they still spend most of their weekdays stuck on their desk chair or on their couch, and it still hurts them. Conversely, people who sit for less than four hours every day but don't exercise to save themselves can still be as healthy and as long-lived as those who exercise at least five hours per week but spend most of their working day sitting down. So if it's not that our screen time is diverting us from active things we otherwise could be doing, what could the still life be doing for our health? Obviously when we move around or even stand up, our muscles need to contract, and this process requires energy energy that is supplied by sugar and fat taken up and stored by our muscles while they are at rest. When we are sitting for prolonged periods, our muscles don't move, so expend little or no energy. Consequently, our muscles have little need to take up any extra or spare fuel. Inactive muscles then get progressively smaller. If we don't use them, we lose them which further reduces their contribution to energy-burning metabolism. Consequently, when we are sitting for long periods, more of the burden of the calories we eat might get placed elsewhere, like in our bum. And on average, the longer our sitting time, the bigger our backside. But it's not as though that getting up from our chair will help us lose weight. In fact, standing up frequently hardly burns any calories, let alone enough to lose any weight. Unless, of course, we also spend that standing time doing some form of physical activity. 
Anyway, if it was only about balancing the calories, we could make up for sitting down all the time by dieting or exercising more at other times, punishing our bodies to work out the bad metabolic karma accumulated during our TV time. It is partly true that regular exercise in significant amounts, we're talking at least an hour a day every day, can partly counteract the time we spend inactive in our offices or in front of the TV. But it never eliminates its effects. And if it was just about getting fat by sitting on the couch, why is it that even in two women with the same weight or same waistline, the one who spends most of her days in unbroken sitting has a higher rate of health problems and reduced survival from them? So it's not just the calories. It's not just the fatness. It's not just about diverting us from physical activity we could otherwise be doing. So what then is it that sitting is doing to us? Another idea is that when our muscles are active, run, 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 jog, 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 they send out signals to the body that tell it to run more efficiently. Hey, you're an athlete now. Be athletic. By contrast, inactive muscles are costly to our health, partly because they make our body believe that it's doing more than enough to get by, and there's no particular reason to do better. How are you doing great? The bonanza state. If it is just movement we need, then the solution then is to frequently break up long periods of inactivity by getting up and doing something. The potential solution is obvious. We should spend more time on our feet, breaking up long periods of sitting by getting up more often, at least once every hour. The more breaks, the better. What seems to be the key is that any prolonged sitting is effectively broken up so that we spend only limited periods not moving. And there are a number of different ways to go about this. There are standing workstations, touchscreen computer terminals. There is replacing the old office chair by a big soft inflated ball, which requires constant muscle activity to prevent even falling off. There is just getting up and talking to our colleagues instead of sending them an email or a text. There are opportunities everywhere to get off our backside and move. But none are perfect solutions. It's actually quite hard work standing all the time. It's uncomfortable and easy to fall off the ball seat. Sometimes there are things that are better off said in a carefully considered email than spontaneously said face to face. But for good health, we have to find some way to get off our desk chair or our couch. There has to be. It is thought that every year, about one in eight deaths in the world are now attributable to our slothful lives, making it the fourth leading cause of death globally. The bottom line is that if we truly want to survive, it means not only spending more time being active and getting fitter, but also spending less time being a couch potato, being a desk jockey, being a slave to the machine. Every hour we continuously spend on our behind is associated with a shorter life expectancy. It takes some effort to break free, but maybe that's the point, the effort. And of all the things that we can do for our health, the dividends on any investment in physical effort 
like getting off the couch, may be more meaningful than anything else we can buy into. For more information on the couch and anything else to do with longevity, please read The Longevity List by Merlin Thomas, available from all good bookstores or from longevitylistbook.com. Thank you for listening.